this journey, and we are on a journey through the letter of Colossians. Paul writes to the believers in a city called Colossae. And we carry on this morning, and as we started with the journey, we kind of just gave a little bit of background to, to the letter. Then we looked at what one of the prominent messages and topics from this letter is, and it's defining the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at that, trying to define what the gospel looks like. And, and as we see it for ourselves, we are able to understand more of what Jesus has done for us. And as we understand the gospel more, we're also able to share about and talk about the gospel with others. And not just by what we say, but by how we live. And so this morning, could I ask you to turn with me to the book of Colossians? And uh, that wasn't the trick question, just making sure. And we're going to read a portion together and then dive into what we want to share about this morning. So Colossians 2, I'm going to read from verse 20. Colossians 2 and verse 20, it says, first word it starts with is if. Say with me, if. If. So if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why? I'll say with me, why? So if you've died, why? Paul says, why? As if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Oh, the regulations would say, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that, are, that all perish as they are used. According to human precepts and teachings. Why are you doing this, Paul's saying? So you, you have died with them, and why then still indulging in these things? He says in verse 23, these things, these regulations, these traditions, these um, demands in a sense that you put on yourself or people put on you, um, he says, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and ascetism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. <laughs> These things all just have an appearance, but they have no value. And um, this morning, as we read further in verses, chap uh, verses 1 of chapter 3, it says the word if. Say with me, if again. If. If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. How easy is that? Anyone? So it's a very easy thing to just keep our eyes off the things of the earth. Uh -huh. And just focus on the things in heaven. I'm completely oblivious to what's happening around me. I'm just so conscious of everything above. Oh, we're in blue wire. Oh, I don't notice. <laughs> Just so heavenly focused. <laughs> no, it's not that simple, is it? All of you that are so incredibly holy saying, yeah, I manage. Please teach me. Um, Paul is saying, listen, we've got to do that. Because then in verse 3, he says, 4. Say with me, 4. All right? You've got to say it without the U. Say with me, 4. Uh, some of you said it with the U. Not four as in with the youth, four without the you. Say it again, four. Ah, better, better, that helps. So it's little things like this that we try to help one another on Sundays, eh? 
You're going to say four without the U. Say it again, four. Good. Paul says, for you. He's talking to us. Uh-huh. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. <laughs> so this morning, I want, to, um, I want to take you to something that I have often seen in movies. title is going to be derived from that. Because in movies, you often find in these West, you know, the Wild West movies, how many of you have seen those movies where the guys, you know, they roll the revolvers and they shoot, pa, 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 and they're, you know, racing along with horses. And, and, and in those movies, you find that there are guys that are, obviously, they, they do not always obey the law. Um, something quite strange to us, isn't it? People that do not obey the law. But anyway, in those movies they do, and then often when they f end up killing people, then there's a price on their head, and, and they have these posters that are made. Wanted. They, the guy's name is there, whether it's Billy the Kid, or uh, John Short, or whatever it may be. Wanted. Dead or alive. Billy the Kid. You know, and then there's a reward at the bottom that says $1,000 or whatever it may be. But that's the idea, is that we're looking for this person. He, he is a perpetrator of the law, and, and we, everybody is, and, and I guess in those days it was like, hey, my, my face is on, on the, they didn't have posters or even walls perhaps, and they had a tree where they probably put it up. In the movies it's like that, I don't know if it was true. But I mean, wanted, dead or alive, Billy the Kid would appear, and Billy was like, yeah, that's me, that's me. This morning I want to present to you, just our title of our message is a bit different. It's wanted, dead, and alive. And who's wanted? It's all followers of Christ. Because if we read this portion together, we find that Paul is not talking about either or. He's, about, he's talking about both. That as followers of Christ, we ought to be dead and alive. You know, you, you kind of breathe at that, hey. So it's like or alive. We're not looking for people that are dead or alive. We're looking for people that are dead and. Say with me, and. And alive. And as we consider this portion together and unpack a little bit from Colossians, I hope that we will find the value of being dead and alive. All right. Why don't you just check your neighbor and make sure that he fits into either one of those categories at this moment. And hopefully by the end of the, the preach, we will fit into both. All right. If there's anybody that fits only in one, just, no, sorry. Um, we got to fit into both. And I, I want to trust that we will see why, as followers of Christ, we ought to fit into both. We've got to be dead and alive. And so first of all, Colossians 2.20, where I started from, and chapter 3 and verse 3, it talks about this concept that you and I are called to die. I am called to die. Really, we, we, we are born to die. How's that? What are you born for? <laughs> I'm born to die. We all know that. Somewhere along our lives, we, we will experience physical death. That's the reality. We, we're all born to not just stay alive physically, but one day it will come to an end. But there's another thing that we're born for, too, that we don't often enough talk about. And that is we're born to die here before we physically die. 
And Paul refers to that. He says in verse 20 of chapter 2, If with Christ you died. He's talking to alive people. Would you agree with me? People that are able to read. So, how many of you are able to read this morning? Okay, that's good. That's a helpful bunch. See, the literacy level is okay in a nation for a, at this stage. <laughs> We're able to read. We're able to comprehend that Paul is actually saying to all of us, if you, if in with Christ you died. So, in other words, he's saying that you are able, you should have died with Christ. And so the essence of the gospel is this, as we try to redefine it and help us understand, is that in this gospel, this good news, someone had to die so that others could live. And we know that that someone is Christ. That the essence and, and the real the core of our gospel is that without death, the gospel is void of power. Death had to come. To make the gospel powerful. Think about that. The gospel is not just something nice that happened. In the sense that our sins was, was taken on him. But he had to physically die. So that the gospel could be rendered powerful. This morning, we've got to understand that the true essence of the gospel, the core of it, the foundation of it starts from the place where someone was prepared to give his life so that others could live. And it's the good news is dependent upon this truth that death had to first come so that life could follow. And that's why we call this kingdom that we live in, the kingdom of God, this upside-down kingdom. It doesn't make sense. It's so contrary to all and how we live here on earth, and how the world um, determines what true life and where it is found. The gospel says that in order for life to exist, death had to come. Now, I, I understand that death is not a thing that we easily want to talk about in a natural. Many people have gone through the trauma of having lost somebody close to them, a loved one. And still working through that. And those realities will, will remain with us forever. Some people are, are, are facing that even as we speak. That death is looming and, and the natural death is a reality. And so what we often then find is that we don't celebrate death. Agree? We don't celebrate death in the natural it's bad of you to consider even the thought of, yeah, I wish that guy would just die and get out of my life. And that's something that we, oh, that's a good saying. Let's put it up on the wall. Let's have a t-shirt. No, it's, it's odd. It's unacceptable. So what we then do, in a sense, we take that mindset, which is understandable, that, hey, we don't celebrate when people die or when people are about to die. and I don't want people to die. When we then think in the spirit world, where Christ, through Paul, says, hey guys, you're going to die, we're like, ooh, that's a bit odd. That's a bit strange. So yet death, in the Bible, in this sense, is celebrated, isn't it? Paul says, hey guys, you've died. And he's like, he's raving about it. 
we don't find that easy to do in the natural, but yet we are encouraged to see that as something very, very dear to us actually in the, in the spirit world, where we, in our walk with God, we are encouraged to die. <laughs> we actually have sayings to try to wake up people because we don't want people to be, in a sense, dead. And like, even if you were asleep this morning and kind of like falling asleep, I'd be like, hey, come on, come on, wake up, wake up. Let's just, just stay with me, stay with me. Don't fall asleep because we'd love for you to participate. And so, in a sense, falling asleep and being asleep is not something also that we celebrate. We often would wake up our children, come on, wake up, especially in the mornings, <laughs> like this week again when we go back to school. How's that? Tomorrow morning. It's school again. And those of you that have to wake up for your children, well done. Those of you that have to be woken up by your parents, just embrace that moment because they want to wake you up to something that's of help to you. All right? Like going to school. Anyway, that was just a good ad for teachers. So all the teachers go, yay! All right, okay, that was helpful. Anyway, we've got to understand that, that God celebrates the fact that we die to ourselves. The language of the Bible indicates that. Let me, let me share with you what Jesus said about this. John 12. Would you go there with me? I love this portion of Scripture. I actually forgotten about it a bit, and as I was preparing, I, I stumbled upon it again, where Jesus says the story in, in John chapter 12, and, and I'll read to you from verse 20. It says, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. Say with me, Greeks. Greeks. All right, Greeks. All right, and, and so these people came, and, and, and so in verse 21 it says, So these came to Philip, these Greeks came to Philip, he was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, because they recognized that Philip was one of those that were close to Jesus, and, and the Greeks said to him, Sir, so we wish to see Jesus. And, and Philip went and told Andrew, and, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. So I don't know whether Philip wasn't, uh, you know, comfortable enough to go alone to Jesus. You see, Jesus, there's some Greeks here. We're not really mixing with them. We're just here for the Jews. There's some Greeks, and you know Greeks? There are a few of you perhaps here this morning. We love you. It's wonderful to say that, that. I mean, there's not even a reference to South African in the Bible. If you're Greek, well done. You're in the Bible. Ha! How's that? Anyway, um, just to celebrate Greeks a bit. But, but so the Greeks come, and they want to see Jesus, and, 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 and the disciples, they're like, probably in their mind thinking, we've got to get special attention for this, or, or a permission for it. And so they ask Jesus, Jesus, some Greeks, yeah. I mean, they know they're dodgy. <laughs> but do um, you want to see them? Because we can easily just, sorry, Jesus is busy. It's his afternoon nap time. Uh, uh, no, Jesus says the following. So um, Jesus answered them, probably now with the Greeks in his presence. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. It's like, that's so relevant. Like the Greeks just want to see you, Jesus. I mean, they don't want to, Jesus, he knows exactly what needs to be said, isn't it? So whenever you approach Jesus, by the way, this is just an a add-on thing. Uh, this is a part of the preach this morning. So don't take time out of my preach for this. Okay? When, when you approach Jesus and you speak to God and He doesn't respond the way that you want Him to, don't neglect that. Don't ignore that and say, Jesus, I'm asking you about my wife, what, you know, how you can change her. And Jesus speaks to you about your life. Like, <laughs> time out, Jesus. I'm like, I'm just talking to you about my wife. Why are you talking to me? No, no, why don't you listen? 
if you go to Christ and God about things and He doesn't speak to you in the way that you want Him to speak and respond the way that you've expected Him to respond, don't ignore that because it's God and He knows exactly what you need to hear. So maybe you came this morning and wanted to hear about, you know, the end times and when Jesus will return and there's nothing like that I'm going to talk about this morning. But please just listen to the preach. Anyway, so Jesus speaks to the Greeks, I think, and to everybody about this. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, may I say to all of us, I say to you, King City Church, Jesus is saying, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Oh, okay. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Wow, it's great. How can we honor the Father? How can we be honored by the Father? Let's serve. So remember, Jesus was not speaking to farmers necessarily and agronomists that will understand exactly. Oh, oh, I understand the process. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like Jesus. Yeah. I'm scientific in mind. Uh, I was speaking to normal people like you and me. Maybe there are some agronomists over here this morning that could understand the simplicity of when a little thing like this that I'm pulling out of my pocket, which is a seed. Um, this is some seed that, that I'm given in the morning to eat with my porridge, and um, I didn't eat this one. So I kept it just to show you. So I'm just acknowledging and repenting. Sorry, Samina, I didn't finish this one. Um, I can't eat it now because it's part of this illustration. Okay, cheers, Yangu. Anyway, so this little seed, Jesus says, is, is of no help if I just leave it in a bag. Or In this context, he says wheat, um, a kernel of wheat. If it just stays part of the wheat. And I want to put up something here that I want to show you. Uh, just a little bit of a paraphrase possibly for what Jesus was talking about in terms of the seed thing. He says, maybe this is what Jesus was trying to say. I'm just suggesting, okay? He says, as long as a grain of wheat keeps on being curdled in the head of a stalk of wheat, it remains just that. Just a lone little, just kernel. A lone kernel of wheat among many such kernels. Only when it is detached from the head and buried into the ground by a farmer does it have a chance of producing more grain. So this is it. We can be all secure in this little bag or head of stalk or head of grain and, and be part of it. And, but unless we've broken off or taken out of the bag and, and put in the ground and, 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 and there's an environment where perhaps water comes and, and, and sun um, and good soil around us, we can germinate and we can produce. Because this thing, I know, maybe I should send it around and then you can feel it. And, no, don't taste it. Uh, but this has a potential to produce more because it's seed. Amen? And sometimes we, we eat our seed and we like, oh, there's the seed gone. Can't produce anymore. Seed has been eaten. But that's besides the point. The point is this, that Jesus says this seed, unless it is put in there, it actually can die to what it initially was so that it can become more. And our lives are like that. We're supposed to be something more. In like manner, if I want to put up that one as well, like manner, Jesus is saying, if again, we use that portion, Jesus is saying, if you want to be productive in my kingdom, you must um, just turn your phone on, on, on silent, and that could also be used 
be used for productivity in the kingdom. That's fine. I'm not looking at anybody in particular. So also, it says, if you want to be productive in my kingdom, you must die to yourself. Only when you do that, die to yourself, that will you have the opportunity to be fruitful in my kingdom. Moreover, you have me as an example. I was equal to God, but I emptied. I died to myself. In other words, I humbled myself by becoming obedient to the Father, even though by doing so I was writing my own death sentence. So Jesus, safe and sound in heaven, says, now the Father's will is so that I will come down to heaven and die, and so that through my death others can live. Point is, Jesus is sharing this with everybody. He's saying, guys, this is the way I want you to live in like manner. There's no other way to, be bear, to bearing fruit without dying. Are we supposed to bear fruit? Your life, my life is supposed to bear fruit. So Jesus is really saying that people are looking for a king that want to come and just rule over them. He says, no, no, this kind of kingdom that I'm part of is where I come and I die for you. I don't come to be, to be ruler, first of all. I came to be servant. So that through my servant lifestyle, others can live. And this is the gospel. That he did it for me and, and now I can be free. But I choose to live a similar life for his glory. So Jesus makes a truth about himself over here. Listen to this. He makes a truth about himself that becomes a truth for us too. The truth about himself is that I chose, he says, I chose to die for you so that you can live. That truth becomes a truth to us too. That's why revelation is needed about truth. And that's why we preach and we, and we read and we study so that the truth of God's word can become truth to us. And that we will respond to that truth. And so the response this morning to this truth is, die. Die to myself. And so questions we need to ask in that regard is, will we love our lives more than what we love God? He says that, guys, if whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life and this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, I'm not saying hate yourself. He's just saying, love me more than what you love yourself. That's what he means by hating your life. So you don't go around, oh, I hate myself. Oh, Christ says I must hate myself. No, no, no. The other portion, he says, by the way, you're going to love me. And you're going to love yourself as you love your neighbor. So he's not contradicting himself. He's just saying, love yourself less than what you love me. So in dying to ourselves, we ask the question, who is loved more in your life? Is it you? The stuff of this world? Or is it God? Will we be willing to love our lives less than what we love God? That's dying to ourselves. Will we serve God in the same way that Jesus served his Father? That's dying to ourselves. Will we be willing to identify with the one so... We are so eager to see. The Greeks came to see him. They probably weren't not ready for the message that they were about to hear. They just wanted to see Jesus. I mean, like, hey. <laughs> uh, maybe a selfie. Jesus, when Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, yeah, I know no selfies, my friend. Let's, let's look at self. Let's do some self-introspection and see whether you are willing to love me more than what you love yourself. Isn't it possible for us, therefore, that we could live our lives here, we can even come to church like the Greeks did, to come and just see Jesus, 
I just want to check Jesus out. Uh, let me just check out this whole thing of Christianity too. And like, it's, I mean, it's kind of cool, you know. We get coffee and tea and <gasps> sometimes even popcorn. <laughs> it's like, man, this is a cool environment. Let's just check it out. Let's just, I'll let buy a Bible. Let me read the Bible about just to check Jesus out. No, no, you know what? We're not called to check out Jesus. We're called to lay down our lives for Jesus. We're called to die for Jesus. This is not language that is celebrated out there. Because death is not celebrated in this world. But in the kingdom of God it is. So God is looking for people that are dead and alive. So let's not let our Sundays become a looking into Jesus thing. Or our daily lives even be. Never mind just Sundays. What about tomorrows? Is this, I'll just do the quick Bible drill and, halalala, and look into Jesus like the Greeks did. They just wanted to see Jesus. Maybe we don't know what the true intent of their heart was. Maybe I'm completely missing it. But there is a possibility that people went around just wanted to see Jesus. It's like, man, it's the, it's the thing to do. I saw Jesus. But the thing that made a difference was people who were willing to lay down their lives, die for Jesus. Peter, great example. He's the one who denied Jesus. He said, I don't know the guy. <laughs> it's like serious dying for Jesus, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, if you like, people come and say, are you the guys that go out on Sundays to this fan, you know, funny place, bridge club? No, nah, no, it's not. It's other guys. I just, it's a friend of mine. It's a friend of mine. <laughs> That's what Peter did. And then in denying him, his, his Savior, denying that he knew him, he eventually got to the place where he denied his own life. But he realized, I made a blur, and I made a mistake, and I messed up badly. And you could read 1 Peter 2 verse 24, where Peter denied himself the, the right to be just his own individual. And he said, no, I want to serve Christ first. So Peter went through a chain. We look into the Old Testament. We look into life of of people like Abraham, where um, Abraham was willing to give up the son that he was promised to have when he could have no heir, and God promised him, you know, a host of of people that would be his inheritance, and yet this one person that was going to possibly lead him there. He was willing to sacrifice that son. That's willing to die. So God, what is more important is your will. And we know that in that, God protected him from killing his son. And we know that he had um, this incredible um, nation that developed out of that. People were willing. And we know the story of, of even David being willing to wait for God's timing to become king and not kill Saul. David was anointed to be king. He was told, listen, you're going to be king, buddy. And then he had this king around him called Saul, and Saul messed up, and Saul eventually wanted to kill him, David. And David, well, if I kill him, then that's my moment. David was right there. He could have. Saul was asleep. He could have killed him right there. But he said, no, I'm not going to touch God's anointed. I'm going to wait for God's timing to bring me into what my destiny is. I'm not going to mess up my own destiny by, by speeding it up. 
and myself ordaining the time for when I should walk into what God has for me. He's saying, I'm willing to wait. And that is dying. You have plans and purposes and, and dreams and stuff. And you're saying, God, I don't know when it will come. I cannot force it. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting so that you will fulfill your plans for my life. I'm not going to force it. I'm dying, Lord God, to wait. Dying so that your plans can be fulfilled. And so this gospel that we have is an amazing gospel. It's a beautiful gospel. It's a message of someone that was prepared to die so that others can live. And that gospel is the call that we have to die so that others can live. And so we celebrate death because it produces life. And that's my second point. We have wonderful verses that you can read. And maybe, um, Sharon, if you could just put up those verses. I would like for you to go read through these. Romans 6, um, verses um, 1 to 12, 1 to 14. Just go and study them at your own time. And then, then there's Galatians 2, verse 20. Just, just read those um, at your own time. We're not going to go through them right now and studying them. But it, it's really just such um, relevant verses for us into what we're talking about. The second thing I want to say is that because of dying, I now can live. And so it's dead and alive. It's not dead or alive. And God's looking for people that will be dead and alive. And we can only be alive because we have died in Christ. In Colossians 3, if we go back to our, our focus this morning, and and. Paul is saying, we've read this before again, but let me read it to you again, because now the, the words life um, and, and the opposite of death is, is appearing. Because he says in verse 1, if, say with me if again, if, you, then you have been raised with Christ. Early on in Colossians 2 he says, if with Christ you died. So the gospel has two aspects to it. The gospel has a death aspect and a, and a being raised to life aspect. And so praise the Lord we don't stay dead. And that's what, by the way, baptism indicates, is we died to ourselves, but praise the Lord, we don't stay under the water. We come up again. Paul says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. What Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Because you are not in, you're not dead. You're alive, he says. Therefore, you can have different thoughts. And by the way, if you're battling in your thought life about your future and about God's care and God's ability to care for you and God's ability to protect you and to help you and sustain you at this time particularly, I would suggest that your thoughts may be linked to thoughts down here on earth and not thoughts above. And if you are saved and you're a follower of Christ, then you are able to overcome the thoughts here on earth because you're no longer dead in the things of the world, but you're alive unto Christ. And so your thoughts have been made alive. And so there are new thoughts that you can have. All right? So Paul is encouraging us. He says, not think of these things. Then in verse 3, for you have died. So he brings the death aspect in again. But then... He responds and he says, for you have died and your life. So there's death and life again. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. 
it reminds us of that portion in Philippians 1 where again the man Paul writes the following Philippians 1 verse 21 he says for me to live is Christ and to die is gain so in the one sentence he brings death and life together again he says guys it's when I die it's gain when I'm alive it's for him so I need to die so that I can live for him so death is necessary so that life could come so here the two life and death are coming together it's a wonderful thing about this thing of hidden where it says Paul says for you have died and this life that we celebrate as much as we celebrate death it says your life is hidden with Christ in God in it and the word hidden there has, has an uh, kind of allures to or allures to the fact or hence towards this thing of secrecy that there's something secret about our life in Christ that's not fully revealed because if you are a follower of Christ and you've started serving him there's certain things that are not completely clear to us yet certain things of the future that are not clear but even things in God that like man there's certain things that I have not fully discovered yet they're still hidden, but they're not hidden for us to never find. They're actually hidden for us to go and find. And a guy by the name of John Piper, we've often quoted this. He says the following. He says, God never hides things from us. He hides things for us. How's that? So in other words, he means there are things that are hidden, but there are things for us to go and find. And on this lifelong journey that we're in, because we talk about we're on this journey, forever until Christ comes and fetches us and or we die there are things for us to find there are beautiful things about Christ that we still haven't discovered yet because none of us here this morning can say I have a full revelation of who God is and the Bible I understand it fully I know everything about it. none of us can say that but this is what we can say the things that are hidden will be revealed will be revealed and it's our in a sense privilege and joy to with God and with Holy Spirit because he's the one that comes and guides us into all truth the truth that we haven't discovered yet things that are still hidden so for instance there are things that people have no clue about your life as a being a follower of Christ they were like I don't know if you have friends like that or relatives like what maybe some people said that to you today again like what you going to church again why why do you have this 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 discipline in your life that you read the Bible, you are together with other believers. For many people out in the world, it is completely hidden. That's true. The Bible says that the people out in the world, it's veiled to them the things of God. They do not fully understand. And it was veiled to all of us too until we started discovering truth about God. And we started reading and we started connecting with people that helped us. So by the way, in your discovery, get together with people. Don't try to do it on your own because it's actually not helpful. Because you by yourself, I by myself, I am not able to discover it all by myself. I need people in my life. I need friends. I need people to help me, to guide me. And so there are these hidden things. And then there's also that God kind of hides us and keeps us safe and protected as well. This new life that we enter into because we've died to ourselves, we enter into a place of being protected and safekeeping in Him. That's also what 
um, we believe this could mean that your life is hidden with Christ. Your life is protected. Your life is safe with Him because He has seen that there's great value in protecting our lives so that we can serve Him and love Him. So He protects that for His own purpose. Out of this then, this position that we have, we're dead and alive, comes our practice. I want to finally just say, and we'll start talking about this practice now as we carry on into this letter of Colossians, that because of our position, we're dead and we're alive. Now we can practice the life that God wants us to live. I do not practice it so that I can receive salvation. I practice a certain lifestyle because I am saved. Correct? That's what often goes wrong. People say, I've got to practice things so that I will get saved. When you read some of the things that Paul will talk about in chapter 3 and 4, people think, oh, these things I ought to do first and then I can, save, can be saved. No, no, no. I get saved. I find my identity in Christ. I, I die to myself. I'm alive unto God and, and therefore now I can practice these things. Because God has changed my heart. And so, I want to ask you this morning as I close, are you, can we put up that, that big title again from the beginning, please, Sharon? Just, are you this morning? Because that's what's wanted. That is what God is looking for in all of our lives. Asking us the question, are you dead? And are you alive? Are you dead to yourself? And this is a journey. It's not just a once-off thing. We're like, hey, I remember I said I'll die to myself in June, June the 30th or whatever, 2009, and I'm probably still dead. <laughs> and I said it then. No, it's an ongoing thing where I'm challenged in my life, where I know that certain things that I want to live for and certain things that God wants me to live for. And there's this battle. And I recognize that I've got to die to what is important to me. So that what is important to God could become important to me too. And real life is only found when we die. Real life and real growth is only available when I've got another one somewhere here. Another seed. <laughs> I kept two out. I didn't eat two, sorry. Real life is only possible when this seed says, this is our lives. Very small little thing in this big bag of seeds. So once we take it out, we put it in the soil, we look after it, it grows. Oh, starts to multiply, starts to produce fruit.